from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here as part of the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Truly appreciate you being a part of the show and making sure that you have the opportunity to connect with the broadcast every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time without missing a moment. It's very important for you to connect with the show by becoming a member on MixLR.com backslash DT so that you'll never miss a live broadcast again. You'll get emailed when the shows go live, and you'll have the opportunity to speak with me during the live broadcasts by being inside of the live chat room, which is exclusive to members only. So if you have some thoughts, if you have some questions for the people being interviewed or whatever it may be, then you'll have the opportunity to discuss that inside of the live chat room only for members. So if you haven't become a member, make sure that you do so this morning on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We have a lot coming up on today's show that will start with Syracuse Orange men's basketball talk following their road loss to Georgia Tech. That'll start off the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. It is my spin on the breakfast sandwich that is available there. 20, 20 well, I was going to say 24-7. They are open Monday through Saturday for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're not open all the way through, but you can go there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner Monday through Saturday. On Sundays, they're open until 2.30, so make sure that you pop in there and show them some love at the Market Diner. I truly appreciate Everything that they do there, I want to thank the MBC family for the work that they put forward at the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora Special Belgian Waffle Cut in Half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It is my spin on the breakfast sandwich that is available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner daily. So make sure you get yourself over to the Market Diner and try it today. As so many of you have, and I thank you so much for everything that you have done to make this sandwich a truly marquee piece of what they do over at the Market Diner. So, big shout out to the community and for everybody that's traveled into the community and gone over and had the sandwich. So, big ups to you and a big thanks to you for that, for being a part of the Dan Tortora Special and being a part of the community and supporting local business. I appreciate that greatly. So in today's morning menu, we'll start off with Syracuse Orange men's basketball talk, as I had stated just a moment ago, following their loss to Georgia Tech. We'll go from there to have a live conversation at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time with Syracuse football running back alum Antoine Bailey at 10 a.m., We'll do what we always do on a Thursday, and we'll get Papa Joe's Picks signature segment where Papa Joe and I will have the opportunity to discuss the Super Bowl. 
So I, I haven't said too much about the Super Bowl because I wanted to save it for this week. So I will now have the opportunity to discuss that with you and to spend some time here with this Super Bowl and, and what's going on with the Super Bowl. So I'm very, very excited about the opportunity to discuss that with you and the thoughts on Philadelphia. I mean, Phil, on the other side, New England, everybody expected them to be here. They got to be the number one seed because of a catch that wasn't a catch that was a catch that wasn't a catch. And, you know, then they defeat the Jaguars after defeating the Titans, which really gave them no type of fight whatsoever in that game. They play the Jaguars. The Jaguars stop them all the way through except for penalties and poor field position at the end of the game, which ultimately decides the game in favor of the New England Patriots, who are going on to the Super Bowl. On the other side, it was the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz. And the thought that this team that was the number one seed of the NFC for a good portion, a vast portion of the season, the 2017-18 season, they ended up ending that way and staying the number one team in the NFC, but without Carson Wentz. And so the, the thought was, well, guys, we've had a great run. It's been wonderful. Unfortunately, we don't have our starting quarterback, hence... We have no way to win this thing, and it was the opposite. So I had some belief in, in Nick Foles, and I think I had more belief than maybe some Philly fans out there. So we're going to discuss Nick Foles. We're going to discuss Tom Brady. We're going to discuss this game. We're going we're gonna to go back to the last time they played each other, the David and Goliath sense of everything. So we have plenty to talk about coming up on today's show, and we'll round out the Thursday show like we always do with Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events, event planning company. We'll take a deeper look at a trending topic, and you need to make sure that you call that number. If you have any event coming up, if you're thinking of doing an event, this could be literally anything. Nothing too big, nothing too small. You could be planning a party for your child. You could be planning a wedding. You could be planning a retreat. You could be planning a corporate mixer. Whatever you have going on, 315-702-4653. 315-702-4653. That is the number to call to get in touch with Kira Wasserback. She will not lead you astray. She is the owner and operator of Looking Glass Events. 315-702-4653. Give her a call. Even just to get some information, she's worth the phone call. So hit her up. And let her know that you got sent there from here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. And I know that they'll be more than happy to help out and answer questions and see what's going on with you and what you have planned and, and what your hopes and your dreams are and how they can potentially make that a reality. So make sure that you give a phone call over to Kira at 315-702-4653. So once again, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball Talk live with Syracuse Football running back Antoine Bailey, an alum of the Syracuse football program. Papa Joe's Pick signature segment where Papa Joe and I will discuss the Super Bowl between the New England Patriots, big surprise, and the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a, somewhat of a surprise. Two number one seeds. How about that, folks? Two number one seeds making it all the way to the end. Then we'll go to through the looking glass at the end of the show. And that will be proudly presented by Looking Glass Events, as always. So that's what we have coming up. So, to start the notes here and to start the show in the first segment, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball Talk. Well, Syracuse 
you know, first of all, let's preface what, what it was like going into the game. So there was this thought of how is Syracuse going to make it? They only have six players. Oh my God, it's not going to be okay. Something bad's going to happen. You know, there were, there were people that were freaking out and, and I met some of those people yesterday and I spoke with some of those people yesterday, you know, in passing, I got the Dan is Howard. Okay. What happened? What can you tell us? What can you say right now that'll make me sleep tonight about Howard Washington Jr. and about this team and about where they're heading? And I said, listen, Howard Washington is not a bad player, and he's a very nice guy. He has not played that much. He has not been a factor, really, in any game that Syracuse has had this season. So I said, as much as you're nervous and you're worried about depth, Please understand that you're worried about somebody who is not giving any points to the team, not giving any rebounds, not giving any assists, not giving quality minutes, and it's not his fault. He's not being put out there. This is, I need to preface this, that this is not a knock by any stretch of the imagination on Howard Washington Jr. This is no knock on him. This is no knock on the work that he does. None of that, okay? None of that is what I'm talking about here when I'm speaking on Howard Washington. I'm stating an obvious fact that this man really does not play. Okay? He averages six minutes in a game. He hasn't played in every game this season. His averages are 1.1 rebound, and 1.1 points, 0.8 rebounds, 0.6 assists, 0.3 steals, 0.1 block, and 0.4 turnover. Three-point shooting is 16%. Field goal shooting is 29%. Howard Washington this season has taken 15 shots or 17 shots. He's taken 17 shots this season in 22 games. He's taken he hasn't even taken a shot a game. So what I was saying was it's not that he's not talented, it's not that he's not capable, it's not that he doesn't have something to offer. It's not that he isn't somebody that should get some minutes out there because I'm a proponent that he does. I'm arguing the fact that people should not worry because he hasn't played. He hasn't been a factor. So why worry about something that hasn't affected your team as of this point in the season? Through 22 games, Howard Washington has not been the guy that somebody has to lean on. Frank Howard has. Tyus Battle has. O'Shea Brissett has. Believe it or not, when people don't give respect where respect is due, Pascal Chukwu has, Barama Sidibe has, Matthew Moyers had some moments, Merrick Dolajai's had some moments, but that's it. That's it. Geno Thorpe was never really a factor, you know, but he was depth, and people worry about depth. Dan, what if they make the tournament? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with depth? And the thing is, I understand that argument, I understand that thought, I understand that concern, but what I'm saying to you on a game-by-game basis is you shouldn't worry about somebody who hasn't been a factor in the first... He hasn't been a factor. He just hasn't been. So, to sit here and worry and try and figure out what to do with your life and, and contemplating if Syracuse will survive is a strange way to kind of look at things because of the fact that he doesn't have really anything in this right now. He hasn't been 
somebody that Syracuse has had to lean on for assists, lean on to take the ball up the court, lean on if Frank Howard's consistently in foul trouble. That hasn't happened. You know, it's the what-ifs that people are worried about. What if Frank Howard's in foul trouble? What if Tyus Battle's in foul trouble? What if Frank Howard can't hit a shot in a game? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if another player goes down? What if Barama can't keep it going here? And they just need another body. There's a lot of what-ifs. And I get that argument, and I understand that argument. At the same time, I don't want people to freak out when it comes to not having Howard Washington there because he hasn't been somebody that has given quality minutes because he hasn't been given the opportunity to give quality minutes this season. Now, with all that being said, I think Howard Washington should have played five to ten minutes every game up to this point. I think he should have played, when I go back and I look at his games, let me do that right now. When you go back and you look at Howard Washington and and some of the games that he could have, I mean, he could have played in any of these games this season. He could have been a, could have been a part of anything this season. I want to go back to some moments here. Okay, he played 10 minutes against Cornell. Should have been a lot more. He played nothing against Iona. That's ridiculous. He played six minutes against Texas Southern. Four minutes against Oakland. Didn't play against Toledo. Didn't play against Maryland, but played against Kansas. Played one minute against UConn, five minutes against Colgate, seven minutes against St. Bonaventure. These are games where you put them in, you let them play. If you're not going to play them in the ACC and you're not going to play them in the big-time games like the Kansas games and Georgetown and whatnot, you had chances with Cornell, Iona, Texas Southern, Toledo, Oakland. That's five games right there. Colgate, six. Buffalo, seven. St. Bonnie's, eight. Eastern Michigan, nine. You had nine, almost ten games, I can argue, almost half the season where you could have given them 15 minutes. Let them go out there. Let them play. Let them start. Let them know what it feels like. And that's the issue that I find with this team. It's not so much with the fact that he's in a place right now where, you know, people are like, oh my God, well, he's not playing. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. It's the fact that he was never given a chance when he was healthy to get out there and get to play and get to get his feet wet in this thing and get to get used to it and get, and, you know, I mean, the thing is he's, he's played in enough games that he's not going to redshirt this year. So why waste him? It's a question that I have, like Barama. Barama hasn't been 100% himself, but he wanted to play. And you know what? In that case, thank God the Bayheim didn't redshirt him because if they didn't have him against Pitt, they would have lost. So you look at that and say, okay, well, that was important. But as far as Howard Washington Jr. goes, there's no, there's, there's no reason why, if you're not going to redshirt this guy, he doesn't play. He played 24 minutes against Florida State, but he had to. There were injuries, but the problem that I have with this is the fact that how is he supposed to <clears throat> how is he supposed to be able to go into a game and play 24 minutes and be comfortable and know what he's supposed to be doing and know what's going on when you've given him no chances? Practice is not going to simulate a game. It's not going to make it happen. It's not going to make it right. So, you know, to me, it's just it's crazy to me how Howard Washington is not redshirted yet. He gets no quality minutes until he's forced to, until Beheim's forced to put him out there. 
And when Beckham is forced to put him out there, he's in a situation where he has really no experience going into this. He's got a minute here, two minutes there. No type of no type of opportunity for him that has any value or any merit to it. So God forbid you ever need him. How's he supposed to be ready? So now Syracuse doesn't have him, and Syracuse fans are, are nervous, and you know some are freaking out a little bit here. We have. I want to take a look at the poll that I ran to let you know where you're all at at this moment. I said, "How concerned are you about Syracuse's lack of depth with the injuries to Matthew Moyer and Howard Washington Jr.?" I said, "You can either be extremely concerned, very concerned, somewhat concerned, or not concerned at all." Thirteen of thirteen percent of you are somewhat concerned. Eighteen are not concerned at all. So, somewhat or none at all, 31%. 19% of you are very concerned. And 50, 50% of you are extremely concerned about Syracuse. 50% of you are extremely concerned about Syracuse's lack of depth as they continue forward this season. 50% of you in this moment. You can still vote in this poll, so I'm putting it up right right now for you. If you go to Twitter at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T, C-A-L-L-D-T, go there right now and vote in this and have your opportunity to let me know how concerned you are at Syracuse's lack of depth with the injuries to Matthew Moyer and Howard Washington Jr. Half of you extremely concerned and everybody else split from not being concerned, being a little bit concerned, and being very concerned. So, go and vote now. But the majority of you, you are extremely concerned. And I get it. I understand the depth side of it. I get the depth side of it. It's just for me, looking at this thing saying, okay, well, you know, he really hasn't gotten the opportunity. And the issue that I have with this is, even if he was healthy... Even if he was healthy, what's he supposed to do with playing a minute in a game, three minutes in a game, two minutes in a game? I didn't play basketball on the Division One level, but I played from seven years old all the way up until college, had the opportunity to play some college ball at Marywood University, decided to broadcast instead. Instead of going out there, and because the coach called and said, hey, I want to have you out here. Let's work you out. Let's see what you got. And I ended up broadcasting. And I'm cool with that. Look at where I am today. I made the right decision. At the same time, I look back on my life and I say to myself, when I played two minutes in a game or a minute or I make one mistake and I'm out, I didn't get comfortable. There was a game where I hit two threes, missed the third one. Coach was like, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was the most ridiculous, r- ridiculous thing in the world. I could go out there in a game... There was a game where I guarded a guy that was a head taller than me. He was a forward. I was a guard. I didn't let him score for seven or eight minutes. My coach took me out. I put my hands up in the air like, what are you taking me out for? Put the guy in for me, and the kid ended up scoring multiple points right after I went out of the game. And I'm sitting here going, is this normal that you would take me out from shutting down somebody and put somebody else in that can't, and then I have to sit and watch this damn thing for the rest of the game? This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. 
I got to watch the rest of the game from the bench when I did my job. So, I mean, I think, you know, when I look at it from that sense, I look at the fact that what is Howard Washington Jr. supposed to think? If he does the right thing, he comes out. If he does the wrong thing, he comes out. There's nothing that's really going to keep him in a game if he even gets to play in a game. So, you know, that hurts the psyche of a player. It affects the psyche of a player. It's not fun. It's not exciting. And it's not something that, you know, they can really, you know, that you can really get your feet wet and enjoy being in a situation like that. So when those issues arise and those things happen, what are you supposed to do? So, yeah, you know, it stinks that Syracuse only has six deep. And they have Matthew Moyer, kind of. Matthew Moyer was able to play in the game. He didn't play much. He only played a couple minutes, didn't do much. He had two minutes in the game, had a rebound. That was it, you know. And he's not 100%. Barama arguably is not 100%, but he had to go out there and play. And Howard Washington is hurt. So when we look at this scenario and this situation, yeah, it stinks that Syracuse doesn't have depth. At the same time, the depth wasn't groomed and worked, and that's an issue. Why wasn't the depth something that was worked on during the season? And I know that, you know, people look at Jim Beheim and say he could do no wrong. He could do no wrong. But the lack of building depth is something that you have to look at and say to yourself, it's not right. It's not right. It's not helpful. And how are you supposed to move forward from this? Because if you're not building the players that are behind the players that you have, what are you doing? If you're not preparing those players to play, what do you do? Even if Howard Washington Jr. was healthy, how prepared has he been? Well, Danny's in practice every day. It doesn't matter. Nothing simulates game experience. You can try all your might to simulate playing the Patriots, but then you play the Patriots. You can simulate all that you possibly can on playing another team, and you can have your scout team and have them mask and mirror and be those people, but at the end of the day, they're not those people. They're going to try and think like them, act like them, and play like them, but they're not them. There's a reason why if you fall in love with somebody and you date somebody who looks like her and talks like her and smiles like her, she's never going to be her and you're never going to be happy. You can try to simulate a situation, but you cannot for certain make that a reality until you actually do it, until you actually are part of it. So for Howard Washington Jr., I feel like he should have had a lot more playing time under his belt because Syracuse, yeah, if he's going to be out for a long time there's a big lack of depth there at the same time what has the depth become when he doesn't get opportunities if that's your backup point guard and you have no other point guards on the team there's no reason why that man should be averaging a minute a game six minutes a game three minutes in a game should be a lot more out there for him and a lot more opportunities Syracuse is, is where they are right now, but if the man comes back healthy, he still hasn't had the game experience. And that was the same thing that happened with Deshante Riley when Syracuse had an opportunity to potentially win another NCAA championship in the tournament. What happened? Orenzi Onowaku went down. Rick Jackson went down. They had to go to Deshante Riley, who had, like, no minutes, and had he hadn't been playing, he hadn't been trusted, he hadn't been, the team hadn't had to lean on him before. 
and he hadn't had to feel that. So you take a guy who's not getting those opportunities and those feels against Cornell, and then you're throwing him into the NCAA tournament saying, hey, we're trying to get to the Final Four and win a championship. Good luck, buddy. If you're not going to redshirt people, you got to play them. You got to put them out there, and you got to give them time. You have to. And I'm just stating an obvious fact. How is Howard Washington ever going to be ready if you don't give him the opportunity to make mistakes? And you don't give him the opportunity to go out there and try and find his comfort and find his shot and find where he fits in the grand scheme of things. As far as I'm concerned with the minutes that he's played, he's a redshirt this year. Could have been redshirted. And people would be worrying about a redshirt guy that got hurt. So, yes, it's not good that Syracuse only has six players and kind of Matthew Moyer. Depending on how well Matt's going to be. It's, you know, that's not great for depth. At the same time, this team didn't lose that game based on depth. They lost that game because they turned the ball over a lot. They made a lot of mistakes. They had 15 turnovers in the game. 15 turnovers against Georgia Tech. And talk about, you know, depth and this and that. Syracuse played seven. Georgia Tech played six. They played their starting five and Todrick Jackson off the bench. That's all they played. That's all they put out there. So please understand the facts that that's all they had. We'll take a step aside for a fast break and come back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513 or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 305-748-2524. 
but you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to have you here with us this morning inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. We were talking Syracuse basketball in the first portion of today's show in the first half hour and stating the fact that 
Syracuse did not lose because of lack of depth. Georgia Tech only played six players. Syracuse lost because of their turnovers and the points that were achieved off of their turnovers. In the first half alone, Syracuse had 10 turnovers, which led to eight points for the other team. And Syracuse on their side had taken five turnovers and only amounted two points. They ended up with 15 turnovers in the game and many of them at the most inopportune time, ball bouncing off the foot of a player and moving forward from there. So Syracuse's turnovers got the best of them in this one, 55-51 to 51, as they head home at 15-7, and 4-5 and five overall inside of the ACC and an opportunity with a rematch with Virginia to try and get back on top of things. In the second part here of the morning menu this morning, it is time to switch gears from Syracuse basketball to the field in Syracuse football to speak with alum running back Antoine Bailey, who is no stranger to the show. He's been on here before, and I'm very appreciative that he's taken some time with us this morning to chat. Antoine, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Antoine, first and foremost, you know, how have things been going? What have you been up to? What's what's going on in the life of Antoine Bailey at this point? I think things are going well. Things are going well. Uh, definitely got the got the family, uh, got the family, the wife, the kids at home. I'm uh, coaching at still well friends in D.C. I also teach. I'm teaching in D.C. as well at uh, San Miguel School. It's a middle school, so I'm 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 a little all over the place right now, but, but doing well. Doing well, having fun. And when you look at the coaching side of things, Antoine, just what you could say about being, you know, in that area, the talent that you're that you're seeing from that area, and just what you're taking away from being a coach, because uh, a lot of you guys that obviously played for Syracuse, there is that connection to coaching and that interest and that opportunity that's that's you know some of you get blessed with and blessed with the chance to help out and be a part of something. What can you say kind of makes you tick as a coach and what you've enjoyed about it so far? Uh, the, co- the coaching side of things is, is amazing. Uh, it's definitely a, it's a, it's a, it's a different challenge. It's a different challenge than playing. You know, you're trying to get, you're trying to get young teenagers to, uh, to, to perform these major, these major, these major acts and do these plays. So it's, a, it's definitely a different challenge, but being able to, been able to help and, and mentor the youth. Use football as a tool to do that has been nothing, nothing short of amazing. Um, I'm definitely one that 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 I can say that football definitely, definitely saved saved my life and, and changed my trajectory. So if I can give back, if I can give back at least, if I can give back half of what football has has given has given to me to to the guys that I come across, you know, I think I think that that will be great. That'd be great. Yeah, coming from Antoine Bailey, Syracuse football alum. And, and Antoine, I want to go into your history. When you said, you know, if I could give, you know, half of, of what I got to somebody, that would be great. Who are some of the people that you look back on, and whether it be Syracuse or, or wherever else you had been, that you would say have been mentors and have given you something? Because now you're in a place as a leader to give something to somebody else. Who gave you the things that you value? Oh yeah, that was that was that was a, that was a good amount of people. Um, I mean, it was first start with with my uncle, um, who got me, you know, who got who got me involved involved in football. You know, just just starting off at a at a young age with the, the discipline and, and and the hard work. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of people 
lot of people don't know, you know, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was, I was doing, like, I was doing 3 a.m. workouts, doing 3 a.m. workouts in the off season, you know, and then, and then going to the workouts after. So definitely my, my uncle instilled in those values in, in me as far as football is concerned. Uh, my, my high school, my high school coaches, uh, they were, they were very, very influential uh, over over me taking the next next step. Uh, specifically, specifically, Coach Gillespie, who was my running back coach in high school. Um, he, his his one flaw was that he was a he did play for West Virginia, so I don't hold that against him. But he was uh he did he did a great job in in helping me. Um, then just moving moving on to the. I guess moving on to, to that college side of things. I think my 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 I guess my my life and my I guess a lot of things changed when when Coach Rome's staff came in. You know, just instilling in a lot of those values and that discipline. So definitely, definitely he and, and Coach Tyrone Wheatley. You know, it comes 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 second to none in, in in the amount of things that that they were able to give me. I want to go into Tyrone Wheatley and and like you said, what he gave to you. And you mentioned a lot of different people in your history and, and what they've meant to you. Tyrone Wheatley, the running backs coach that was at Syracuse when you were there and has since moved forward and, and has an opportunity with the Jacksonville Jaguars and has been with the Jaguars as a running backs coach as well. And he was hired on January 16th, 2017. He joined the team after being there. At being at University of Michigan before that, helping out with Doug Marone in Buffalo, and before that with you in Syracuse. What can you say about why Tyrone Wheatley, who is a former NFL running back himself, why he was so special to you as a coach, and just what made him different? What made him special? I think once uh, you have that, you have that player perspective uh, coming from Coach Wheatley. Uh, him doing, he did it at a high level. He did it at a high level on every level. Um, you have that perspective coming from him, so so he naturally is he naturally is a is a player's coach, and he uh, he empathizes with with a lot of things that's going on. So so you already have that respect for him. You already have that respect for him. But he was he was he was so down to earth, and he's a, he was a realist. He was gonna give it to you exactly how things were. He wasn't gonna sugarcoat it. Um, and he did a great job of development at, at Syracuse. You know, um, with the while I was there with them, just the the backs that were in the room, the backs and the fullbacks that were in the room, and he has a he has a special gift in develop in developing guys, in developing guys, and seeing where where the guys in that room where they were before he came in, and where they were upon uh, upon them leaving or him leaving. You know, it was just it was it was just it was miraculous to say the least. What. Do you remember about Tyrone that could just command the best out of you? What was it about his personality, the way that he went about his business? Just what is it about Tyrone Wheatley that that made you kind of take a step back and say, you know what? When I look back on that game, if he didn't say that at this point, or we didn't, you know, discuss this or talk, what did he do? I mean, were there games where he could just say something? And it would just click with you. All right, I got to do this, or, or he, or his energy you would feed off of. What is kind of like the X factor, so to speak, of Tyrone Wheatley? Uh, a couple of things come to mind. Um, definitely, 
before every game, um, before every game, he would he would gather the bats. We would go we would go into a, a room or somewhere on our own within the locker room, you know. And he would give us he would give us that little speech. You know, it's time to go. He had that look in his eyes. That was one thing. But also the other part is uh, one thing that was so great that that's always been great about him is that he he allows you to be you. Um, he wants you he wants you to play your game. He wants you to play your game. And what he what he does is is he coaches you so that you can be the best. You can be the best you. Um, I think what my, well, while I was there, you know, my style was a lot different than, than DeLon Carter's, you know. So so he did a good job of individualizing, you know, his teacher and his culture. So the way he coached me was different than he would than he would coach DeLon. The things that he needed to give me were different than, than he needed to give DeLon. Um, so he, he, he preached a lot of coaching you behind the line of scrimmage, so making you to a more efficient player. Uh, which, which I think, which made all of our lives a lot easier, you know. So he coached, us, he coached us on those things, and then he let us be us. So I think that that's what that's what stood out for me, and that's what I, I think that's where my trust came from him, you know, because he wasn't trying to, you know, he wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to change. He was just trying to make you, just trying to make you great. So once you trust the coach, you know, that takes you to an entirely different level. That coming from Antoine Bailey, Syracuse Orange football alum. And, and Antoine, when you look at those moments, like you said, he coached me differently than he coached DeLon Carter. There were things about DeLon's game that were different than mine, and he knew how to coach us a different way. Now that you're a coach, just to speak to that, that you can't just go and have a blanket policy in the room. You can't just walk in and say, all right, guys, you know, I mean, there's certain things. You want guys to go to class. You want guys to get good grades. You want you want guys to take care of, of themselves and be good in the community and stay out of trouble and have morals and values. And, you know, some coaches, you know, and I respect this, you know, preach believing in a higher power, having God above you, knowing that, you know, family is important and taking care of each other. So all of that is universal. But when it comes down to, you know, this is this guy's strengths or, you know, if I yell at this guy, it makes him better. But this other guy, when I yell at him, he goes into a shell. So I got to pull him aside and I got to talk to him. So just to speak to that, how there are the universal language pieces of being a coach. And then at the same time, you have to say, okay, person A needs this. B needs that. C needs a little bit of both. D can take this, but not that. Just Just to speak to the fact that you have that double edge, like there is the there is the universal message, but then there are the individual messages that a good coach knows you can't speak to everybody the same way. Oh yeah, no question. Um, what I what I've, I've I've been blessed with the opportunity to to teach as well, and I think those those things they run they run very parallel, you know, in, in education and, and in coaching of football. Um, every every player is not the same. You can't you can't go at everyone the same. Like you said, the, there are certain things that have to be done universal, but you got you gotta you gotta know what makes you gotta know what makes your players makes your players click, what makes them go. Um, that's the that's the beauty of like that's why you gotta build those individual relationships, which is something that uh, that, that that Coach Wheatley did, did a great job of. You know, he had a he had a he had a great personal relationship with with each back in the room. You know, so he was able to, so he was able to, to tap into the way these, that guys needed to be coached. Um, which definitely, I've definitely took taken a, a page out of his book on that one. You know, 
know, the relationships are, are very, are very important, are very important. You know, if you don't have those relationships, it's it's tough to it's tough to to teach and coach. You know, uh, to what to what that player may need, and then you get into doing that cookie cutter cookie cutter model. Is something I definitely try to stay away from. That coming from Antoine Bailey, Syracuse Orange football alum, and and, and Antoine to take a look at. You know, Syracuse so far, you know, uh, under Dino Babers, just what you've taken away from, you know, these last couple of years and, and how the team has finished and, and where the team is at right now. He's He's been with the team for a couple seasons. They are 2-6 and six in the ACC in both of those seasons, 4-8 and eight overall in both of those seasons. There has been some good wins against Virginia Tech in the top 25, a team that went on to the ACC championship game and almost took down Clemson. And then there's the Clemson win of the reigning national champion and that ended up being ranked number one in the country this season. So there are some quality wins and, you know, those celebrations inside of the Dome for both of those games. What have you taken away from the team so far, though? Has anything impressed you? Has anything concerned you? Looking at four and eight records, yet there are some big-time wins inside of those records. Um... I think what, what what has impressed me is that uh, they seem they seem fearless, you know. They seem fearless. Like yes, that the record doesn't doesn't reflect uh, that where where they want to be or where I want to be, but they're fearless. Like they're taking down, like you said, they're taking down a few giants. They're taking down a few giants, which which is which is huge, especially especially while you're building, especially while you're building. So you can see that fearlessness. You can see them. You can see them trusting the coach. And, and now with them starting to, they they got a couple of recruit classes under their belt. Uh, they're starting to get their their guys in and their type of players they want. Um, I think I think I think we're going to start to see them take that next step. I think you're starting to see them take that next step. Um, like I was I was a part of of building process myself while I was there. So you can see what, you can see those guys starting to trust the coach. That's huge. You can see they trust them, and you can see. That they're fearless, you know. That's that's the majority of the battle right there. Majority of the battle is right there. So now that they're getting their guys, and I think I think that'll that'll help take take them to that next step. So we'll, we'll be able to see the wins start to come within the ATC, you know, and start to see some consistency. Do you like Dino Babers and, and what he's kind of brought forward? I mean, he. He has a Tampa two defense. He has the you know I was used to and you were used to the you know hike the ball and attack. You were you know you were used to seeing that Scott Schaefer you know that constant we'll blitz you all game, we'll attack you all game, we'll come after you all game. There is no moment of relaxation. There is no moment of you to take a breath where it's kind of read and react this defense that Dino has, and then the offense you know as far as going fast and pushing and trying to speed down the field, maybe having 80 plays in a game, maybe having 100 plays in a game. He has his offense. He has his defense. What do you think of them both at this point? Uh, I mean, that, that definitely a lot. Both offense and defense are a lot different than, than when I played. Um, but I think that the, the strategy was, was a little different as well. You know, we were, we were going to run it. You know, we were going to run it, and we were going to attack on defense. You know, whereas now I think the defense, I think the defense, the defensive strategy plays in plays into what what we're trying to do offensively. I believe you know uh, we have that 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 attack on 
offense, trying to get a lot of plays. You know, defensively, I mean, I think you, I think, I think you, you have to go with, I think you have to go with that strategy defensively, um, because once that, once the ship start rolling and things start going well, we'll be in a position where, where we're scoring a lot of, scoring a lot of points, uh, and I think that defense lines up. Lines up with things. Um, of course, of course, of course. I'm a, a Syracuse running back fan. I like to see the running back use a little more. But they, I mean, I think they're on the right track. They're building. They're build, They're building the offense that they're used to, that they've been successful with. And you can see, you can see the, you can see, you can see the light shining at, at the end of the tunnel with those, with those big offensive performances, uh, with those, with those wins against those key, against those key opponents. And you had made mention being in the DMV area that <laughs> that you appreciate the fact that Syracuse is looking in DC, Maryland, Virginia, and, and and in that area, and looking to bring in players from those places and seeing the talent that's there. Just what you could say to elaborate a little bit more on that, because I know on social media you've made mention of the fact that it's good to see Syracuse in the DMV. Oh, no question. It's a it's a, it's a ton of talent down here. Kind of talent down here. You see, over the past few years, like you, you see the, you see the other schools dipping in here, but, but there's not a lot of orange that I see passing through. You know, you see, you see the Penn State, you see the Ohio State, you see Alabama come through. You see everybody come through, but you, but I've been, I've been missing Syracuse. So it's good to see, good to see the staff uh, back through here. But also, when you look at, um, when you look at the the history of orange football, you know when. Syracuse has been good, you know. There's been a, been a plethora of of DMV athletes on those teams, you know. Um, and just ge- geographically, you know, we, we we have to do we have to do well in this area. We have to do well in this area, you know. So it's good to see us good to see us back down here full force. You got to do a lot of different things at Syracuse, and you know they they looked at the fact that I mean obviously you were a running back for the team but receiver, quarterback in the Wildcat formation, playing on special teams, returning kicks and whatnot. Just what you could say when you have a player on your team that you know, has questions about how to play this position or how to be a chameleon or, or to get on the field. I mean, you did whatever you had to do to get on the field and get opportunities. How do you use that as an advantage when you're coaching to help a player see that there are many different ways to find a place on the field and get the ball in your hands? I mean, it, it's it's one when when you when you got a great love for this game, you got a great love for football, and, and you learn. The biggest thing is the biggest thing is knowledge. You know, is what helped me was that helped me is that uh, when I was when I was learning the systems and the playbooks, you know, I was learning everything. I wasn't just learning my position. So when it was time when my when my when when my phone rang and it was time to go to those different positions. And I was able to play fast because I knew what was happening. So that was that was one thing. One thing that I try to impart across to, to young athletes is is knowing, having having that knowledge that mm-hmm. sets you apart. That's 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 about fifty percent of the ball game. There, if you know what's happening, and you have a chance to to go play and go beat yourself out there. Um, but also just but also just trying to trying to impart across to those guys that. You got to do whatever, whatever you can to get on that field. Specifically, when you go to the next level, um, everybody, everyone was, everyone who, who's, who's coming in or who's there was was the guy on their team in high school. 
So it's, it's going to be highly competitive, and you got to do whatever it takes to get on that to get on that field. You know, as a as a competitor, I hate it being on the sideline. Hate it being on the sideline. So whatever whatever could be done to get to get on the field, I would do it without without batting the eye. You know, regardless of blocking a linebacker, DN, running the route, it didn't matter. Um, so just that that love for the that love for the game. Uh, it's it, one thing that I try to keep that I try to keep fresh in the in the young student athletes' mind. That love for the game and, and, and trust trust in the process, man. You can't you cannot cheat this game. You can't cheat this game. You gotta work. You gotta study, and it all shows. That coming from Syracuse Orange football alum Antoine Bailey. You cannot cheat this game. I think that's got to be the quote of the week for me here on the show. To take a look before right. I let you, <laughs> before I let you go, it was a good quote. Before I let you go, Antoine, to uh, to take a look at the fact that you know your former head coach Doug Marone is somebody. Ironically, and and I had a Syracuse fan say this to me, uh, in because I've covered the Buffalo Bills, I cover the NFL as a whole, but I've spent the most time with the Jaguars and uh, having the opportunity for almost a decade now. It will be a decade this coming season of of going to those games and, and just followed them through, went down to Jacksonville for the wild card and then up to Pittsburgh and then over to Foxborough as they continued on in the divisional and the AFC championship. And a fan said about Doug from going to Syracuse, then Buffalo to Jacksonville, they said, you know, you can't, you personally can't escape Doug Marone. And my response to that is, I was like, I don't know if I want to, you know, I, I know that this, this is a guy who, you know, he knows what he's doing. I know that Syracuse fans are really upset, but like I tell fans all the time about Doug Marone, you know, when he left, you wouldn't miss him, you wouldn't be pissed off in him leaving if he wasn't if he wasn't a good coach. If he was a terrible right. coach and he had nothing to offer Syracuse and they were going nowhere and not going to bowl games, then it would be good riddance. Like you know, it would it would be like Greg Robinson saying, "All right, whatever, let's move on. Who cares?" But in the case of of Doug Marone. You know, this man's found a lot of success. He's taken Nate Hackett with him, who's who's found success, and Tyrone Wheatley and, and Tom Coughlin that went to Syracuse and played fullback is now in Jacksonville. Can can you speak to anything about watching the Jaguars? Did you take some time even in the playoffs to say, you know, that's my coach doing his thing? Because I look at the schemes and how he's running things and how he's handling this team. And I said, I was like, this is no news to me. It's it's eerily familiar to Syracuse. Do you have you watched Jacksonville, and do you get that vibe? Man, um, just watching watching the team and uh, seeing the schemes, the team. You know, even reading the articles of the, the firsthand accounts of the players, it sounds very similar to to the way things were in Syracuse, uh, specifically when he first came in. That was very similar. A lot of parallels there, and even and even the way they're like, like you say, even the way they're playing ball, man. There's a lot. There's a ton of parallels. You know, I was sitting there watching. Uh, I remember watching, watching, watching the playoff game. You know, I'm I was call, calling out a lot of the plays that were happening. But it, there's a there's a there's a lot of parallels, and I don't think you know that there should be no surprise with. With the with that success down there, you know those guys they they're following, they're following their blueprint that they've been following for a few years now, you know, and it's and it's proven it's proven successful, proven successful. 
And when we look at that, you know, I said a, a Doug Marone team, a staple, a couple staples of a Doug Marone team are, you know, run that, find, find that back that's going to run between the tackles and get that guy, get that burly back that's going to take care of business, have him hit you, get some yards, you respect the run, now we'll hit you with the pass, we're going to get you to the point where our quarterback's pretty good, our running back knows what he's doing, so you're not going to know what's coming, but we're going to ground and pound this thing, we're going to play really tough defense, we're going to smack you in the mouth on the ground, we're going to smack you in the mouth on defense, play good special teams, and just when you think that all we are is a a ground and pound team, we're going to hit you with the pass. I mean... I've seen that at Syracuse, and I've seen that in Jacksonville. But damn it, it works in both places. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely a Doug Marone team for you. One, one word, they will definitely be tough. And it is that old Northeast football, you know that that Northeast respect the run and play tough defense and win in the trenches. I mean, when you see that happening, when when the world is about. You know, let's 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 have a quarterback do this, and let's have a running quarterback, and and you know, let's let's be fast, and let's let's have things go this way and that way. I mean, the 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 traditional sense is is Doug Marone, and he's said over and over that you know he's a traditional Northeast guy. Even though he's down south, he's brought the Northeast mentality down there. But even though he's old school, and the NFL wants to be about speed, movement, and this and that, he's finding ways to bring back the football that we know and love and appreciate. You know, you look at the Packers, and for all intents and purposes, they got a great quarterback, but they're a one-dimensional offense. You look at Tom Brady, whose running backs have never been star-studded, all-star type players, you know, but they have Tom Brady. But then you look at Jacksonville, and dare I say it, like I've said it for four years, Blake Bortles got an arm on him, played with a injured wrist all season long that he had a tear in that he had to have surgery on and he knows how to run the ball when he has to and he threw for 600 I think it was 635 passes last year third most in the entire country behind like Drew Brees and Philip Rivers and whatnot and that was because he had no rushing attack they ran less than 400 times and I said give him a good running back and, and a better offensive line and you'll see him become a better quarterback and they did exactly okay. that. You know what I mean? So to me, Doug Marone and, and what he's doing is he's saying, this is how I remember football. This is how they played it in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. And it's 2017, but I'm going to shove it down your throat because that's how I'm going to win games. Oh, no question. No question. That's, that's, that's exactly what he's doing. But even, you know, even as much as, as, much as football has changed, and it's and it's changing, you know. Those the teams who are the most successful, which means who are, who are winning winning those winning those championships, you know, in those big times, they have a running game. You gotta have it, you know. Even with Tom Brady, even with Tom Brady, like there's always there's always a running game in that playoffs, and specifically the Super Bowl. You go, you'll see, you'll see, a, you'll see a running game out of those guys. So you got you gotta have it. You gotta have it. Absolutely, and that coming from a man who knows how to run the rock himself, Antoine Bailey. Antoine, man, it's it's always uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to to bring you up here very soon, as you and I had spoken about. So, hopefully, we can get that rolling. But I appreciate very much so you being a part of today's show. Uh, most definitely. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. All right, I look forward to talking with you soon. Yes, sir. Go on. All right, take care. 
that coming from Antoine Bailey once again. Syracuse Orange football alum. So much appreciative of his time and his energy and coming back on the show and and speaking on that, see, because I'm watching this thing and I'm going, I'm seeing all this Doug Marone stuff that I was covering at Syracuse. Like, it's right in front of my face. I'm seeing the blueprint right here that Jacksonville is using. And I'm going back to, to those days with Syracuse and I'm seeing it work in two different places. And so it's nice that a guy that was actually in the meeting rooms, in the trenches, doing this thing can say to me, yeah, Dan, that that is what we were doing. This this is our life. This the, You know, this is who we were in there and that's where we are right that's where that team is right now so the fact that he sees the similarities you know even more so states to me that what I'm seeing isn't crazy because he was in those trenches in those meetings in that locker room with the man Doug Marone so that's really cool to hear and pretty awesome speaking of football we have some stuff to talk about with the Super Bowl we're going to do it coming up next in the morning menu inside a wake of call with Dan Satora, proudly presented by the Market Diner. In just a moment, it's Papa Joe's Picks time, and it's Super Bowl Central right here on Wake Up Call. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalwear, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalwear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Folks, I'm having a great day. There's reasons. 
A, I'm alive. B, I'm alive. C, I'm alive. Outside all that stuff, my dog's doing well. Wife's doing well. Papa Joe's on the line. Chick-fil-A's coming to Syracuse in less than a month. Folks, it's February 1st today, which officially means that there's three weeks until the opening of Chick-fil-A, which means that your life needs to stop and appreciate that moment. But I want you all to know that Chick-fil-A's open. I just want you all to show up five minutes after I do because I don't want to wait in that crazy line with all you people. I want to get there first, get my Chick-fil-A, and then let the floodgates open. So I got to work that out. I got to talk with them over at Chick-fil-A and say, can I like pop in there, you know, like a, a minute or two beforehand, get it? You know, I, I have a good excuse. I have to do a show in the morning. So maybe I just pop in there. I get my sandwich, take care of myself, and then you can fly in there. But very excited about Chick-fil-A coming to Cicero. And it is happening, folks. And uh, maybe this guy on the other line here that sh- that you're hearing from had a sneak peek at Chick-fil-A. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I was inside, got to see it. Maybe it's really cool and it's awesome. And I was kind of being a giant fan walking through there. But you will not be disappointed is what I will tell you. I'm very much looking forward to it. The man that is no stranger to Chick-fil-A and who always likes to tell me that he got Chick-fil-A and thought of me is Papa Joe. He's on the line with me right now, and we are here. We've we've been silent about this because we've had all this other stuff to talk about, but it's now Super Bowl week, and that silence is broken. We are here to discuss with you the Super Bowl, our thoughts on it, who's going to win this thing, if we're surprised at the teams that made it there, and if Tom Brady's little tiny little speck of a thing on his thumb is more important than the fact that Blake Bortles played with an injured right wrist that had a tear in it that had to have surgery. He did that all year long, no coverage, but the little boo-boo that Tom Brady had on his thummy-wummy ended up changing the entire scope of the world and the planet, and everybody stopped and thought to themselves, would Tom Brady ever be the same when you and I both knew that if you do any research in the sport of football, Tom Brady's on the injury report all the time, and never does he play at less than 100%. So, with that being said, there's a lot to discuss and a lot to speak of. Most importantly, this morning I'm alive. Second most important, Chick-fil-A is coming to Syracuse. Papa Joe, how are we doing today? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine. It's a beautiful day down here. 65 degrees, no clouds, perfect day. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, that must that must be fine and wonderful for you. I'm cold. <laughs> I've been cold. I'm probably going to be cold for a little. The thing is, and I don't know if you've been seeing this on the news, but I don't want to like go to the grocery store and touch an apple or a banana or a shopping cart or anything because our weather's been 15, 40, 54, 16. Everybody up here is, you know, if people aren't sick, they're nervous that they're getting sick. So I'm trying to I'm trying to stay away from everybody right now where you get to enjoy the weather. One of my listeners just wrote into the show on the live line, and you can do that by becoming a member of mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. They said rub it in, Papa Joe. So uh, he, he does. He's you know, Papa Joe is in a bath of Polynesian sauce, sitting outside sunbathing right now. He does the show, probably eating Chick-fil-A on the patio, looking up at the sun, right around the pool with his feet out and sandals. You you know, Papa Joe, you live the life. You really do. 
I do. I deserve it, Daniel. Remember, I'm retired. <laughs> that is very true. You, you've just, you've, you fought for the opportunity to be able to wake up in the morning and say, "I don't want to do anything today," and I don't have to. So exactly right. It's a beautiful piece of it. But we have to talk about this Super Bowl, and I'm going to ask you the 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 first question of of this this big conversation that we're about to have. Does either one of these teams make you excited to watch the Super Bowl, or are you kind of just groaning and moaning into this thing? I mean, how is there is there any excitement around these two teams facing off, or is it kind of a letdown? Well, um, I've always been a Brady fan. Uh, been following him for years, even when he was at Michigan. Uh, besides the Packers and the and the Jags, I, I sort of lean toward uh, Brady. I am excited a little bit. The only problem I have with the Super Bowl is that two weeks is two weeks is too long to go between games. I mean, what can you do in two weeks? They 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 already got tape on each other. They've been watching each other play for twenty games. I mean, how much do you need to prepare in two weeks? You know, do it one week. Get everyone going. Everyone's you know getting used to uh, doing what they got to do and getting their beer ready and making chicken and stuff like that. But no, I, I, I want to see Brady do well. I want to see him play for a little while longer. I don't think that he's uh, going to have any problem in this game at all. Physically, there's not a problem with, with him at all. But Bortles now, uh, Bortles is a different story. But anyway, to answer your question, yes, I, I don't much care about uh, Philadelphia. I know they got a good story. It's a feel-good story. I think uh, Wentz is going to be a superstar in the league uh, for years to come, but uh, I, I want to see Brady do well, and I think that they're certainly the best team, and they will, uh, I'm sure, prevail. You know, and, and when we look at this and the fact that, you know, and, and I brought it up and you just spoke on it vaguely here a little bit, is that Tom Brady, you know, everybody's concerned and, and was worried going into, except for, I mean, I, I didn't care. And and if you're in the media, you kind of know this. It's like he had he had duct tape. And I said, you know, my grandfather... Both of my grandfathers, if there was something wrong, you painted over it, you put duct tape on it. And, you know, and, and Tom Brady essentially looked like he was wearing some black duct tape on his thumb. He had no problem throwing the ball, no issue whatsoever. Yet, the story of the right wrist injury, and it's funny how it doesn't get spoken about with Blake Bortles. Every single game, I get sent the injury report from Jacksonville, and they send it throughout the week to update us on where do the players start in the week and where are they ending up right before game time. So I had the opportunity to see that Blake Bortles was on the injury report with a right wrist injury pretty much every single week. Now, he's had the injury since December 2016, decided not to have surgery. For those playing the home game, that means that at the end of last season, he had the injury. He carried that injury from December 2016 into the two th- into the 2016-17 year. So he went through December 2016 with the injury, went into minicamp, did this, that, and the other, and in the 2017-18 season, played the entire season with the right wrist injury without having surgery, played with it in the wild card, the divisional, the AFC championship, and just decided a few days ago to actually have surgery on a tear in his right wrist. Why, oh why, has that not been a story to say that, you know, you have this little thumb issue with Tom Brady that was, you know, a kind of kind of one of those smoke and mirrors type of thing. And then with Blake Bortles, 
this man has been hurt and has had a wrist that probably needed surgery for over a year's time, played the entire season and the playoffs with it, was just a few points from going to the Super Bowl with a tear in his right wrist that he had to take shots before games to get himself prepared, probably to numb the pain a little bit, I would imagine. And it was on his throwing hand. I mean, why, why is that not a story? And why why do people feel the need every moment to say Blake Bortles is garbage when the man played with a right wrist injury the entire season and almost took down Tom Brady and the Patriots? Well, I'm a big Bortles fan, as you know, over the years. Um, Brady did have 12 stitches in his hand, you know, and I'm sure that... Uh, uh, he played. I'm sure he got shot up too. And uh, Brady doesn't need any help. Bortles, on the other hand, you know, um, oh, how can I say this? He hasn't. He hasn't achieved the the level or anywhere close to the level that Brady has. So subsequently, any any injury, you know, is not going to uh, not going to move the meter at all. But us down here knew of it certainly, and so did you. Uh, his his injured wrist. You know, he doesn't. He, he looked a little different when he was throwing his floater passes. You know, his with his rifle, long pass of 20 yards down the, the field is okay, but he had difficulty with the floating ones, uh, maybe overshooting a few times. Maybe that was part of the the deal there. But he's, he hasn't been given enough credit. The Bortles hasn't been given enough credit. Uh, I think the fans down here are finally starting to understand that perhaps maybe they have someone that can carry the, the Jaguars to the next step and... Uh, I'd like to see that. I'd like. I'd really like to see that. Uh, and when we look at this, speaking here inside of Papa Joe's picks with Papa Joe and and myself, Dan Tortora here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and we do this every Thursday at the top of the second hour at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. We're discussing, you know, Blake Bortles and discussing this team in the future. Papa Joe, I got to ask you this. You know, there there is still that notion from some that that Blake is not the guy and, and can't be the guy and he shouldn't be the guy. You know, I, I guess I guess when when people are wrong, they just can't get out of their own way and they just lean on it and hold on it to, hold on to it for dear life, hoping that they'll be right at some point. But there is that other side of the argument where you can actually take a step back and admit that you're wrong and admit that you didn't think the best of Blake Bortles, but he was better than you thought he was. Uh, are are you surprised that there's still people out there saying, yeah, 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 yeah. They almost made it to the Super Bowl. Time to get a new quarterback. Well, yeah, people are going to say that. But, you know, just a couple of days ago, I think the first shot was was across the bow when Alex, Alex Smith was traded to the Redskins. I think that really messed everything all up. All of a sudden, you know, Kirk Cousins is not going to be the man in in Washington, and Alex Smith is going over there probably for a couple of years to uh, to groom someone. That sort of messed everything all up. And it, it, unfortunately, grouped in that conversation is Bortles. Now, who, who wouldn't want Kirk Cousins as their as their quarterback? Uh, he's going to make a lot of money. He's the real deal. Uh, no problems at all with anything. He can make all the throws. Smart man, line of scrimmage guy. He's one of the few really true pocket passers besides Brady and Rodgers and Ryan and Rivers and those guys. Uh, so, with that being said, there could be some there could be some problems for Blake down the road here in the next couple of weeks after the maybe after the Super Bowl. Uh, I hope that the Jaguars don't don't do anything like that. Uh, I think Henny can still back up uh, Bortles 
for, for, the, for the short term, you know. I mean, Henny is getting out in years also, but I want to see Bortles do well here. I want to, I want him to stick it out. I want the people to stick it out. I want uh, the Jaguars staff. I want them to stick with them, make a commitment to them, pay them what the man's worth. I think that I think they've made an option on 2018. I think I think he gets 19 million dollars or something like that. So at least at least they're going to go uh, in 2018 with 2018-19. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Alex Smith's trade really messes everything all up. So we'll see what happens with a lot of these teams that are looking for a superstar quarterback. Perhaps maybe even trading Bortles. Uh, again, I don't want to see that happen, but when you when you have the dominoes effect like what happened with, with Alex Smith's trade, a lot of things are going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing is when we look at what's to come with, with this Jacksonville Jaguars team, you know, there is that notion – uh, I mean, they did pick up the, op- the option on Blake Bortles for his fifth season, and, and, and it goes into effect for the $19 million. That will go into effect if he, in fact, is on the team as of the beginning of March. So we have about a month's time to see what the Jaguars are going to do. I can't imagine that you would let go of him. I understand that crazy things have been done in the NFL, but a guy that makes it to the Final Four, and I understand you know, people want to say it was the defense, it was this, it was that, the other, it was the other thing. Blake Bortles did what he needed to do. He's a good running quarterback. He's made good moves. He made good plays. And, you know, he really didn't have a bad showing against the Patriots outside of the fumble toward the end of the game. And that pass that he threw, people want to say, well, he didn't throw at the right trajectory and blah, blah, blah. Stephen Gilmore made a hell of a play on the ball. So, you know, when push comes to shove, and if you, even if you want to say that, I'm like, okay, so he made two to three bad plays, you know, how many bad throws did he make in that game? Two. So, you know, for me, Blake Bortles uh, did a lot of good things against the Patriots. He was on the money in a lot of respects. And, you know, I, like you, don't want to see him change. I will say that I do believe they're going to bring in a backup. I think if they went and paid the money for it, it would be stupid in the sense of they would lose out on an opportunity of actually helping out another position that they can pay for. But if they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, essentially they'd be given, you know, somewhat of a middle finger to the Patriots saying, well, we took your guy and we hope to see in the AFC championship. So, you know, that is an option, but he's expensive. The other side of it is uh, looking at the fact that I think that they very much could bring in Kirk Cousins. And I put a poll out there and I said, do you think he'll stay with the Redskins, go to the Browns, go to the Jaguars? And I kind of gave you a few options. And a lot of people went away from Jacksonville and didn't think that there was a chance that he would go there. I have a a big belief that Kirk Cousins, and now with the signing of Alex Smith, I really do believe that that Kirk Cousins could end up in Jacksonville. I still think he'd come in there as the backup, but he'd be a a better backup than Chad Henney. I like Chad Henney, and I know he's been good there. You know, as, as a teacher, obviously something's working in that system, but... As a true backup that you expect to actually physically go in there and play in a game, you know, I, I think that it's more Kirk Cousins if you're going to make a move. I think they got to do something. If they get a rookie, does it light a fire under Blake Bortles? Not as big of a fire because they're not going to get one really high. But, you know, Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler, EJ Manuel, all these guys, I mean, they're really the only people that I see are Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins and. I could see I could see Jacksonville looking at Kirk going, hey, why don't you sign a two to three year deal here? And just in case 
things don't work out or we want to test some things, test the waters, we'll put you here. I still think it's Blake Bortles' starting quarterback, but he needs to have a backup that's more than capable of playing. Last offseason, the free agency pickings were, to say they were slim, would be an understatement. This season, there's Kirk Cousins, there's Sam Bradford, there's Jay Cutler, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all these guys who have actually started games, Case Keenum's out there, Matt Moore, you know, so to me, it would make sense for them to go after Jimmy Garoppolo if they want to make a big splash and protect him from going back to the Patriots, but I think the one that makes more sense to me is is Kirk Cousins, and I don't think that means that Blake will not be the starter, I just... I think that they need to have a quality backup, and I think that Kirk makes sense in the system, potentially. Well, let's go back to what you said about uh, uh, Garoppolo. No way Sam is going to let him out the door. Absolutely none. None. Nada. No way. Uh, Shanahan loves the kid. He's going to build his whole offense around him. It, I don't. I, I disagree with you, and I don't think Cousins would fit well down here. I think what you stated earlier about perhaps maybe bringing in someone of lesser quality or perhaps maybe even drafting a quarterback. There's certainly five or six quarterbacks in the in this draft that, get, that are going to do well. Um, I think they need to believe in the guy, and I think they, they ought to give him this one year to do it. And if he can resemble anything like he did this last year, I think the Jags are in good, are good shape with him. I don't, you know, Kirk Cousins in Jacksonville, they'd have to pay him $30 million to be a backup. Now, that, that's not going to happen. And Garoppolo's not going to leave either. So, uh, like you said, there's several quarterbacks that uh, are in the middle the middle range there that could be brought in, or perhaps maybe even draft one. Uh, but Bortle, he they got to give him his head. they got to let him go. they got to let him audible to the line of scrimmage. He's doing a heck of a job. Let him do it. You know who I heard is available, Papa Joe? Uh-oh. Blaine Gabbert. Nicolet. Blaine Gabbert. Oh, no, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gabbert, Gabbert's got a heck of an arm, but... I think there's, there's, he just, he doesn't, he hasn't hit it right, you know, he just hasn't, hasn't hit it yet. He's a nice guy, big guy, almost the size of Bortles, but I think there's, there's some areas up in his head that it's aren't, aren't clicking. <laughs> he's not a, not a, he's not an NFL quarterback right now. Yeah. So, I mean, in all honesty, and I agree with you, Jimmy Garoppolo costs a lot of money. Like I said, it would be, it would be to take him away from the Patriots, but it wouldn't be a smart decision money-wise. Kirk Cousins, yeah, he's not cheap, but he is a quality backup. There are guys like, you know, if it was me and I'm not going to take those two, I would consider Sam Bradford because I could probably get him cheap, but he doesn't stay healthy. That's my issue with him. I would consider Case Keenum, but he fell apart in the NFC Championship game. I would consider... Mm-hmm. I would consider Teddy Bridgewater for the option, but he doesn't stay healthy, and he's been out of the game for like two years. So, I mean, it is tough. Brandon Whedon's not bad, but he's 34 years old. So, you know, you kind of look at, at all these and say, you know, who would be the best? If I had to pick from all the guys I just named, it would be Sam Bradford. But in all honesty, you know, Sam Bradford has really never had a healthy NFL season. So that's that's you the issue that we fall to. Right. So, you know, the longer you that you're in the NFL. Case Keenum is going to be very expensive. <laughs> you what? Case Keenum is going to be very expensive, too. So. so maybe they just draft. See, that's the thing, though. When they drafted in the uh, – they had gotten Brandon Allen and they drafted him. And I was like, okay, he wasn't a high draft pick. You pick him up. 
he did some good things in the preseason this past season for uh, before this past season for Jacksonville. So I said, great, they got a backup who's going to be young and he can he can learn from Blake Bortles and learn the system. And then they just let him go. And I was completely baffled by the fact because Chad Henney, I respect Chad Henney and I like Chad Henney. But when you're looking for a backup quarterback, especially Chad Henney's an unrestricted free agent too. When you're looking for a backup quarterback, if you're going to, you're either going to spend the money or they're going to have to look in the third, fourth round and they're going to have to draft somebody and give them a chance. I will say this, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, this entire staff, they know what they're doing and they know the moves that they're making. And in the last, like I said, the last four years, and mind you, Doug Marone's been on this team. He was on the team for two years before he moved into his role. So please understand him and Nate Hackett were here for a couple seasons under Gus Bradley. And then they moved forward into their jobs at the end of last season as interims. And this is the first season that they were outright, you know, Nate, the offensive coordinator and Doug Marone, the head coach. So, you know, they've been in this system and they've been a part of these drafts and a part of what's going on. There's been a lot of smart moves being made by guys in the front office. And when Doug wasn't the head coach and Tom Coughlin wasn't the the executive VP, guess who was there? David Caldwell, the GM, and Mark Lamping, the president, and Shad Khan, the owner. There's a lot of really, 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 really good moves that this team has been making. And there's a lot of credit that should be going to Caldwell and Lamping. So I got to shout those guys out. Lamping's been on the show and so has Caldwell. So thank them both for being a part of Wake Up Call. But, you know, they, they this is definitely a team that scouts well and understands. So whatever move they make, I trust it will be a good one. But we have to deal with the fact that you have to have some type of a backup quarterback on your team just in case. But I want to be clear that Blake Bortles is the quarterback. And if he has any season that resembles the season that he had this year back-to-back, which I believe he very much could put me in the same seat I was in this year, if he does that, there's no doubt in my mind that you look at him and go, okay, Blake, you want five more years? We'll give you five more years. I agree. I agree. That's the way he should go. So with that being said, Papa Joe's picks, we got to talk about the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles, speaking of quarterbacks, everybody said Carson Wentz, oh my God, he's the guy. When he was a freshman last year in the NFL, he was the one that started out so well. First five games, nobody could beat him. He was the majesty of the NFL. He was the darling child. Then Dak Prescott came up. Carson Wentz started to lose. Dak started to win. Everybody forgot about Carson, and everybody said the prodigal son of the 2016-17 season was Dak Prescott. Go to the sophomore season, Dak falls, the team doesn't even make the playoffs, and Carson Wentz doesn't have a sophomore slump, bounces back from injury, and takes a hold of this season in such a massive way that Eagles fans finally start to fly again. They take off, they dust off their jerseys and their hats, and they put the flags outside and let them flap in the wind just to get to the point where they don't have Carson Wentz and the fans got nervous and they got scared and I spoke with three Philadelphia Eagle diehard fans going into that game three people face to face just talking with them in passing and they all said to me Danny we're playing the Falcons I don't think we're going to win this game and I looked at these Eagles fans and I've dealt with Eagles fans in the past and they are they're so vivacious and vibrant and they can't lose a game and screw everybody we're going to beat you down 
Yet these fans were terrified. They were saying, we're not going to win this game. It's not going to happen. And I said to them, fear not. You will beat the Falcons. You will find a way because Nick Foles is better than you think he is. Well, damn it. I said that about the Falcons game. Who would have thunk that Nick Foles would have spanked the Minnesota Vikings and the and the formerly known as maybe best defense in the country? Obviously, it was Jacksonville, folks. So yeah. when we look at this, Nick Foles, wow. And I, and, and I said it. I said that the last coaching staff let him go a couple years ago. Made a terrible decision. And what did Doug Peterson do? He made a move and made that phone call and said, why don't you come back here, Nick? It was a fly-under-the-radar thing. I mean, I've dealt with people in the media this year. When when Carson Wentz went down, I was at Everbank Field in the press box. And a bunch of people in the media were like, who's the backup to Carson Wentz? And I'm looking, and I'm going, are you serious? Nick Foles. But that's how silent this move was made by Philly. To bring back a guy who was your starter, who was potentially supposed to be your franchise guy. And now he's back. And so when everybody freaks out about Nick Foles and he's not good, this is a starting quarterback that got boned, sent out of town, and has come back in to resurrect himself. Now he's in the Super Bowl. And all of these Philadelphia fans that thought this would be the year that the Super Bowl was stripped from our hands because of Carson Wentz's injury, it's very much right there in front of you. Papa Joe, the Philadelphia story, is it a beautiful one to you? It's, it can be. It, obviously, with a the win, it could be. Uh, I don't know if they match up entirely across the board with uh, New England. Um, Foles is the real deal. We, we know that. A couple of years ago, he was on fire. I think he had one down year, then he was traded, and then he's back again. Nothing wrong with Nick Foles. He's a big, tall, strong guy. You know the way I feel about tall, strong guy. He's looking over the lineman and throwing, throwing the football. He's just as big as uh, as Brady. So uh, he's a tall guy. He's got a big, good arm, makes all the throws. I don't see this being a problem at all. Uh, I'm sure the Belichick is going to come up with a game plan that's going to fluster him. Uh, give give Pedersen credit for hanging in there with Foles and coming up with some game plans to, to allow him to use his uh, skill set. Uh, this game, in my opinion... Uh, of course it's going to be the quarterback play is going to be very important but I think this game borders on the tight ends I think Ertz has been around for a while now he's a big tall strong guy like Gronk is I look for Foles using him a lot uh, and you know his backs out of the backfield things like that uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game I think Philadelphia uh, should be proud of what's happened to them this year uh, I, I think that they're uh, they're on the verge, maybe, of doing something really, really great. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I like to see him play well. I wanted to see it be competitive. I want to see Foles do well. I just don't want him to see. I just don't want him to be Brady. <laughs> when we look at this, so uh, and we go down the line for for Philly this year, you know, we look at the fact that you know they started off with with a victory against the Redskins. They lost to the Chiefs. It didn't turn out to be a good team. They beat the Giants only by three the first time around. They allowed 29 to them the second time around, but were able to beat them. Lost to the Seahawks and can only get 10 points in that game. And then they had big wins over the Bears, who they were supposed to beat. Had a big win on the road at the Cowboys in Arlington. Took care of the Broncos in a massive way. Took care of the Skins. Took care of the Panthers. Took care of the Cardinals 34-7. Took care of the Raiders. You know, did a lot of good things in this season, Philadelphia did, and, and did enough to stay afloat and on top of things. And now they walk in here, and you look at the games that they have had so far here. 
you know, in the regular season, holding a team to 17, 7, 9, 3. And then in the playoffs, they played two games. And in two games played, the, the Eagles' defense has allowed 17 points while the Eagles' offense has scored 53. What are your thoughts on that? That's a good one. Uh, certainly, uh, their defense has, has, has carried them these last couple of games. You know, you, if you give Bill Belichick time, he's going to beat you somehow. Now, he's got two weeks to do this, not a normal one week. So look for Belichick to come up with, with some looks that Foles perhaps maybe hasn't seen. Uh, maybe they need to pressure him a little bit more. Certainly uh, Philadelphia is going to pressure Brady, and that's the only way you can beat him. But these guys just stay in the pocket. you got to get them within four seconds or they're going to they're gonna nail you. Uh, Belichick is going to come up with a game plan that's going to make it very difficult for Nick to make these throws, especially to his big tight end that I managed. And, you know, when you look at the fact that, you know, this, I mean, as good as Philadelphia has been, the, you know, the story of the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl 52 is the fact that, you know, they're playing the Patriots. And everybody thought the Patriots were going to make it and the Patriots always make it and yada, yada, yada with the Patriots. Where Philadelphia, like I said, they were supposed to make it with Carson Wentz and then everybody was like, well, Guess we're just going to have to chalk this up to a season where we got screwed and what are you going to do? And then, you know, the, and then that, that faith that, that those fans that still believe that the Eagles could fly, they did. And, you know, defensively, they come in here a lot better than the Patriots in the postseason. Offensively, they're about the same when it comes to points scored. It's 53 to 59, but the Patriots allowed 34 points and they won their game against the Jaguars by four, the team that they really, you know, blew out was the Titans, but they allowed the Titans 14, which is more than the Eagles allowed the Falcons, which is a better offense and the Vikings, which was supposed to be a better offense as well. So new, you know, it's, it's new England's offense against the Eagles defense. However, we look at the fact that Nick Foles had that offense rolling against the Minnesota Vikings, and this is nothing that could go understated. The Minnesota Vikings statistically were in the top two with Jacksonville in a lot of key areas in team defense. Nick Foles threw three touchdowns, no picks, completed 26 of 33 pass attempts, had 352 yards in the game. The team ran on the ground for 110 yards, almost four yards a carry. LeGarrette Blunt had a touchdown. Jay Ajayi had 73 yards. Ertz did what he had to do. Elshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith scored. Nelson Aguilar got involved. This this offense of the Philadelphia Eagles woke up, and I told people, I said, Look, I said Nick Foles is a guy who can have four touchdowns in a game and no interceptions, and it shouldn't surprise you. In this game, three touchdowns, no picks in the game of his life up to this point, only seven incompletions and 33 tries against an, against a defense that was the best defense uh, with points allowed and one of the best defenses as far as going up against, you know, how many yards are going to allow to an offense that's on the other side of them. In this game, they allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to have almost 500 yards of offense and really, no mistakes. And what are your thoughts on Philadelphia knowing that their defense has done good things, but is this offense something to be reckoned with when they face the Patriots? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, let's go back to the defense a little bit. Didn't Jim Schwartz, is a defensive coordinator, I believe he was a uh, coach at Detroit. 
Detroit for a little while. I don't think he had a very good record over there, uh, but he's a, he's a great defensive coach, and obviously the guys are bought into a system. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult for Brady to make the kind of throws that he wants to throw. The, you know, Brady is the key. The key to them is adjusting. He either adjusts on the fly or he's going to adjust when he comes out of the, out of the room at halftime. Uh, on the offensive side for, for Philadelphia, uh, Foles has got – He's got all the all the ammunition he needs. He's got good running backs, got good good split receivers, got a big tight end. Uh, but as I said earlier, if Schwartz can come up with a game plan for Brady, Belichick will come up with a game plan for Foles, and the best guy is going to win it. What do you have in this game? I, I have a score that just keeps sticking in my brain. Who do you think is going to win it? What do you think the score is going to be, Papa Joe? I like I like Brady. I think that. Uh, I think that Philly's going to be competitive in the first half, and as usual, when the when the Pats come out in the second half, they're going to make their adjustments. I, I think it could be. There's a good chance it could be a high scoring game, maybe 31-28. I think the line on the game is started out at six and a half, and it dropped to five. And I don't know where it is. I haven't checked it today, but if the, the line keeps going down, it's going to give uh, some Philly some ammunition. Uh, if it's not a 31-28 game, it could be maybe 28-24, something like that. Uh, they both have good field goal kickers. Uh, Gronkowski there for, I can't even pronounce his name, for for um, for New England. He can kick it from 60 yards, for crying out loud. You know, they're, gonna, they're not going to have the elements. There's not going to be any cold weather or snow or anything like that. It's going to be a nice nice field for both teams. But it'll be good to see. I like, I like the... I like the Pats. I'll say 31-28. Yeah, you know, in this game, I think, you know, with Philadelphia, you know, people want to say, and a lot of people, because they're not fans of the of the Patriots, they want to make the note. You know, they, they want to state the case that, you know, Philadelphia is going to win this game. Look at everything that they have done. Well, Jacksonville had the best defense in the country, and the Patriots found a way to beat it. Now, I will make mention of this. Tom Brady did never, he never in the game against Jacksonville in the AFC Championship this season, never went the length of the field to have a scoring drive. He never went the length of the field. Now, Jacksonville made them punt numerous times, forced a fumble, made them kick a field goal when they charged forward on their first drive of the game. Jacksonville did a, a ton of amazing things. The game was lost on penalties. That is where the game was lost. And if you go back and you look at it, they gave up 47 yards in penalties on two penalties alone that put Brady on the 13. You don't need to do him any favors. Then you kick, you, you know, you don't move the ball from inside your 10. You boot the ball from your 10 to the 50. You don't do well as far as, you know, how you're going to react on special teams with the punt return by Danny Amendola. You don't get off the blocks. You allow 20 yards. They're on your 30. Bad position. So, well, I have a question for you then. Go ahead. With, with the game, with the game in hand, yeah, and you got three minutes left to go in a game. Who would you rather have the ball, Brady or Foles, to score to win a game? There's nobody else in the world that I would pick more than Tom Brady ever. That's right, and it could come down to that. It could come down to the time where Foles is going to step up and say, "I'm either going to win this game." and I'm going to get a contract from another team, or I'm going to lose the game, and I'm going to sit behind Carson Wentz. That's a, that's a, that's a big load for a young man to take. You know, they're, they're throwing an 
awful lot on this kid. Absolutely. You, know, you give you give Belichick time to beat you, and he will beat you, and he's going to have Nick Foles is going to have to respond. I think he's got it in him. I think he's got enough coyones to do it. Whether he can or not, it could, could come down to the three minutes. Who, who wants the ball in their hand? That's going to be Brady. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, I, I think that the crazy aspect of all of this is is the fact that, you know, Philadelphia, like I said, defensively <clears throat> has done some good things, offensively has made it happen. Tom Brady's playing up against a backup quarterback that some people didn't even know was still on the team and had found his way back to the team. So, you know, it's not Carson Wentz versus Brady, but it is Nick Foles, and it is this story of the guy that's not supposed to be there. You know, the Trent Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens going up against right. Kerry Collins and the Giants. So, you know, I think that this game is going to be very close. I think it's going to be less than a touchdown. I can't shake the fact that 30-24 to 24 is in my brain. I know that somebody else had it up there and I saw it somewhere, but I can't shake 30-24. to 24. I, I will tell you this. It is, it is very difficult for me to say that the Patriots are not going to win this and that Brady is not going to hoist number six and tie the entire 50-year history of the Steelers from 47 to 2017, or 70-year history uh, of that. But, you know, when, when, when we look at everything, uh, everything that is the Super Bowl, six Super Bowl rings for the Steelers, five for the Niners, five for the Cowboys. I said it on the show before. You look at that. That's five for the Cowboys split amongst different quarterbacks. Five for the Niners split amongst different quarterbacks. Six for the Steelers, split amongst different quarterbacks. If the Patriots get a ring this season, that is six for the same quarterback in 18 years, which means statistically by the numbers that once every three years, Tom Brady hoists a trophy. That is an uncanny, ridiculous thing. That's every three years that the Patriots play football in succession, they win a Super Bowl under Tom Brady. What team in the history of mankind can say that every three years they will win a Super Bowl? Every three, and not just, and not, and, and, and it's even more than that about making it. This is number eight out of 18. So if you look at that, eight out of 18, that means that almost 50% of Tom Brady's career, he has been to the Super Bowl. It's 44%. What quarterback in the history of mankind can say that 44% of 18 years they go to the Super Bowl. That they are one less than going to the Super Bowl half of their career. So every every couple seasons, I'm in the Super Bowl. Once every three seasons, I'm hoisting the trophy in the Super Bowl. You you cannot put those stats with anybody in the history of the NFL. And people want to say, well, you know, this guy was undefeated. This guy never lost the Super Bowl. He went to this. He went to that. There is no one to hold a candle to eight Super Bowl appearances, five wins already, the chance at six and the history that this would be for Tom Brady in his early 40s. It's very hard for me to believe that they're not going to do this. Philadelphia on the other side. That's a remarkable statistic. It really is. When you put it that way, remarkable statistic. And the the thing is, Philadelphia, they got a lot of guts. They're a blue-collar team. They are that down and dirty in the trenches. They make you think of old football. Even the pictures of the guys make you feel like this game's being played in the seventies, eighties, you know, early nineties. I mean, we're seeing like an old grit, you know, gritty, grinded out team. I'm not going to take anything away from Philly. I'm not going to say that they can't. I'm not going to say that their defense isn't good. I'm not going to say that Nick Foles can't be a magician in this game. And I'm not saying 
that this team didn't take their fan base who was so sad and so downtrodden and fell into a black hole when Carson Wentz went down and resurrect them all out and literally fly Eagles, fly them out of that black hole. Right. But Um, you're playing Tom Brady. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, when you put it that way, uh, it it is a remarkable statistic. But frankly, it's going to come down to Pedersen, I think, likes to call his own plays. I think... As with playing Tom Brady at all, at any time, whether it's a preseason game or a Super Bowl, you got to keep the ball out of his hand. So if Nick Foles can dink and dunk his way around the, around the and get a field goal here, a touchdown here, keep Brady off the field, you know, uh, that'll go a long way. And maybe the, uh, their defense can rise up and stop him. But you get you give him you give him time. They're gonna have to put him on the ground, Daniel. They're gonna have to put Brady on the ground. They got to soil them up a little bit. They got to beat them up a little bit, and even then, it may not be enough. But look for Foles to dink and dunk around. Look for Patterson. You get Patterson to come up with some screen passes and down and ends and stuff like that, just to keep Brady off off the field. I have the Patriots thirty to twenty-four. Papa Joe right. has the Patriots. What was your score? Twenty-eight to what? Thirty-one twenty-eight. Thirty-one twenty-eight for Papa Joe. So Philly, listen. A lot of people have tried. The best defense in the nation has tried, and it didn't work out. You're a phenomenal team who has made it to the place that you thought you would make it to. The promised land that you thought you'd get to with Carson Wentz, you danced with the girl that got you there, but you ended up dancing with a girl that, that, that brought you there, so to speak, and then getting to dance with her sister, too, with Nick Foles. So you've had the opportunity to to get here anyways and it's a phenomenal story and it would ride off into the sunset as one of the greatest stories of a team that thought that that it was taken away from them and on an almost perfect season and then they lose their quarterback but then they still win one of the greatest stories ever told in football but I don't think it's going to be told I think it's going to I think that as great of a story as Philly is we're going to wake up in the morning on that Monday saying ourselves this man's got six rings in 18 seasons, and he wants to play till he's 45 or whatever. Damn it, he's going to play till he's 52, and everybody's going to be pissed off in the NFL. So it is what it is. I mean, listen, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And again, Philly, the story would be remarkable. You're just playing against a guy who's probably not going to let it happen. And to make things even better for you, Daniel. Yes. What I think I'm going to do is, I think the game's at 6.30, something like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to bring back two big Chick-fil-A sandwiches and a little something for Mary T. And we're going to sit and watch the game, eating our Chick-fil-A's and thinking about you. And I'm going to be sitting here saying that Chick-fil-A won't be open for another couple weeks (laughs) in Cicero. So don't be surprised if... When you put that sandwich down, it disappears because you know how quickly I can fly down there. <laughs> well, have a good time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Papa Joe, as always, and I look forward to having our, our conversation during the Super Bowl and texting okay. back and forth, all right? Take care. Love to all. All right. Love back to you. Have a good day. Uh, coming from Papa Joe once again here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call. 
DT, thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast and having some fun with us here today. The fun is not over. There's something more around the corner. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn & Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be hanging out with you here on the live broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And happy to be here with you all the time on WakeUpCallDT.com where you can get the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and the downloadable app powered by Podbean to listen to over 815 shows that are currently on there and almost 100,000 downloads thanks to the amazing power of the Wake Up Call fans that I'm so proud and blessed to have. On WakeUpCallDT.com, you can also read over over 400 articles on the Right Now page, and of course you can watch Wake Up Call TV with over 1,000 videos available to you now on YouTube.com backslash wake up call dt so a lot of fun stuff a lot of ways to connect with the show one of the ways i like to connect with you every single thursday is with through the looking glass proudly brought to you by looking glass events it's an honor and a privilege to work with them on event planning in the community being able i got to do an event with them this past year it was a ton of fun we had a great time and uh, really meant a lot to me to be a part of it and i want to thank them for allowing me to be a part of the event. It was over at Red Barn 20, which is a great venue, and I uh, really look forward to maybe in the future being able to do some cool stuff up there as well. But I got to work with Looking Glass events and, and to be side-by-side side with Kira Wasserback, and it was a great time. You know, she almost allowed me to be, you know, kind of shadowing her and what she was doing in this event, and it was a lot of fun. I took a lot away from it. I, I thought that it was a great opportunity for me to kind of spread my wings and learn some new things and, and see some new things. And I, I took a ton away from how she goes about her business and, and how she does what she does. And she really is worth the phone call, folks. If you have an event coming up, the time to call is seriously right now, 315-702-4653. It doesn't matter what event it is. It could be for a school, an institution. It could be a college. It could be a high school. It could be a business, a small business, corporate business, could be a business that's opening, could be a business that hasn't opened yet, but is going to, could be a business that's been around for a hundred years, could be an anniversary or a wedding or a birthday party, whatever it is, three or sports banquet, 315-702-4653. All you got to do is make the phone call. That's all I ask you to do. Call up Kira, 315-702-4653. Give her a shout. Let her know that we sent you here from Wake Up Call and hear what she has to say. I really appreciate her time and I know that you will too because she's a good person and she works very diligently and very hard and she cares. The thing I like the most about working with Kira is that she cares about people. In all honesty, and I know you say, well, Dan, doesn't everybody care about people? You'd be surprised. So, <laughs> you know, so in my opinion, to work with somebody like Kira is to work with someone who genuinely wants to see you succeed, genuinely cares about you, and genuinely wants the best for you. And why wouldn't you work with somebody like that? 315-702-4653. With that being said, Looking Glass Events probably brings you through the Looking Glass every Thursday to round out the show, bringing a deeper look at a trending topic. And the deeper look at a trending topic that I'm going to take is the fact that I am uh, looking at something that's trending on Twitter right now that is absolutely insane. 
It's crazy. There's no way. There's no way. Is there a way? Could there be a way? LeBron to the Warriors? Are you kidding me? LeBron James going to the Golden State Warriors. At that point, why even play basketball? Why even do anything? This is absolutely utter insanity. Okay, shall we look at the Warriors roster right now? Let's just have some fun with it. Now, mind you that LeBron James has been running wherever LeBron James goes, and, and, and Golden State's great. Just follow me on this for a second. Wherever LeBron James goes, there has been, you know when you're watching in the ocean, you know, you're sitting on the beach, and a boat flies by, and when the boat goes by, it leaves that trail and it affects the waves. That's LeBron James in the NFL. Or in the NFL. In the NBA. Pardon me. It's been a long morning. <laughs> LeBron, we've been talking NFL all this whole time. That's why. LeBron James is the boat that has the trail of the water that affects the waves that affects the rest of the NBA. And the rest of the NBA is you on the beach. You think it's not true? What was Cleveland when he left? What was Miami when he got there? What was Miami when he left? What was Cleveland when he went back? And what in the Sam hell would Golden State be? Shall we look at Golden State's roster right now? I think we shall. Let's do it. Golden State... Shall we look at statistics? Has Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, David West, Nick Young, Andre Iguodala, who's been playing in the NBA seemingly since I was 10, Zaza Pachulia, JaVale McGee, and yada, 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 yada. Okay, Draymond Green double figures, 11 points a game. Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, all average 20 points or better per game. Clay is 20, Kevin's 20, almost 26, Stephen is almost 28. Okay. Add LeBron James to that. Just for fun. Just for those three guys at LeBron James. Okay, so let's say 28, 26. So 28 and 26 is 54. Then we add the 20, that's 74. So 74 points just from those three players. Now, let's go and add LeBron James, who's 27 points a game. So among those three players is 74 points. We add LeBron James to the to the fray on the team right now, and that is 101 points from four players. You wouldn't even need a fifth. And maybe that's the way Golden State should have to play from here on out. They're not allowed to have five players on the floor. They can only have four. They have to play a man down. Almost like they're in indoor soccer or in hockey where somebody's sitting in the penalty box, but for the whole game. That is utter insanity. Insanity, okay? You add that up once again and put it all together. 74 points from three players, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson. Add in LeBron James. That's 101 points from four players. Four. That's it. 101 points. You wouldn't need a bench. 
You wouldn't need a fifth player. You wouldn't even need anybody to bring the ball up to court that's a true point guard. Insanity. Johnny says it would ruin the NBA. Johnny, I think the NBA is already effed up. I really do. And I say this with love and affection for the NBA. That this Golden State, Cleveland, Garbaje. Listen, Golden State's phenomenal. Cleveland's phenomenal. But for the same reason why people didn't like Major League Baseball for years upon years because the Yankees bought teams and assembled them, what is Golden State doing? What is Cleveland doing? Buying and assembling. Buying and assembling. That's what they're doing. The rest of the NBA, look at, look at you know what? Let's look at the standings right now because I'm going to tell you something that's fun for me. I've covered Toronto for a very long time. The Toronto Raptors are 34 and 15. They're a game and a half behind first place in the Eastern Conference, which is Boston, who's 37 and 15. Okay? Toronto's only in second place to Boston. Behind them are the Cleveland Cavaliers at 30 and 20. The Toronto Raptors, when you look at their roster, have no superstars. They have some good players. They have some players that are, and listen, DeMar DeRozan, I'm not taking anything away. I'm saying they don't have a guy who's costing billions and billions, you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's not cheap, but there's a big difference here. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas, C.J. Miles, Fred Van Vliet, who last year was hardly playing, Jakob Patel, Norman Powell, all these guys, right? How many of these guys do you know very well? Do you know Do you know Bruno? Do you know Bruno Caboclo? Do you know Norman Powell? Do you know Jakob Patel? Do you know Fred Van Vliet? Probably not. Do you know Jonas Valanciunas? Some do, some don't. I know you know Serge Ibaka. I know you know Kyle Lowry. And I know you know DeMar DeRozan. But outside of those guys, who do you know from this team? Yet, they're in second place. So, they had to fight like hell to do it. And they're an enigma. I bring them up because they are an enigma to the NBA. Because they're figuring out a way to do it. Boston made that deal where you take Isaiah Thomas, we'll take Kyrie Irving. It's working out for Boston. Cleveland is pulling in all people from all over the places they always do in the LeBron James era, and that's been helping them out. But Toronto's sandwiched in the middle of these two teams, and what's Toronto doing? Just winning with you know a guy in Kyle Lowry, who they almost gave up a couple years ago to the Knicks in a trade, and DeMar DeRozan, who said when he was a free agent after last season, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want anybody to call me. I don't want to have a conversation with anybody. I want to play for Toronto. I'm going to sign a deal here. Don't even bother me because I'm not going to entertain it. That's respect for for an organization and a team. But that gets swept under the radar and it gets swept under everything because we're talking about Golden State and we're talking about Cleveland. Cleveland is the third best team in the Eastern Conference behind Boston, who they gave Kyrie Irving to, and the Toronto Raptors, who don't have this super mega crazy blockbuster star. They just have a bunch of hardworking guys who do what they do. And I'm not saying that there's not an all-star in DeMar DeRozan or an all-star in Kyle Lowry or an all-star in Serge Ibaka. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying that... Toronto isn't building their team around, if we lose this one guy, we're screwed. Cleveland doesn't have LeBron James. How far do they fall? How far do they fall? They're not third. They're most certainly, they're, they're okay, maybe they're in the top eight still. 
But Golden State is Golden State. Houston Rockets, they got some firepower. They put some things together. The Spurs, another team that is relevant. They lose David Robinson, who retires. They lose Tim Duncan, who retires. They've been relevant. The San Antonio Spurs have been more relevant for... They've been relevant for a longer time than the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they've been relevant longer than the Golden State Warriors. Because they haven't been irrelevant from David Robinson's era to Tim Duncan's era to where they are right now. So, the Minnesota Timberwolves, phenomenal story. They had all these young guys. Since Stephon Marbury and Kevin Durant, or Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett were there, that was right in the beginning of the Timberwolves, right? It was like in the beginning of, not in the beginning of the Timberwolves, but the beginning of, of the new logo and the new era and the new, we're going to be a new franchise and we're going to bring all this stuff. And then they both left and it didn't work out. Minnesota, since Stephon Marbury and Kevin Garnett was at the basement of the NBA. They've gotten high pick after high pick after high pick, pulling in all these young guys, bringing in all this youth, building and building and building and building and building and building for seemingly forever. They're in fourth place in the Western Conference right now. That's damn good. That's damn good. That's all right. Oklahoma City used to have James Harden, who's with Houston doing well right now. Used to have Kevin Durant, who's with Golden State doing well right now. They just have Russell Westbrook from that trio. They're still relevant fifth. So there are teams, the NBA has proven you can still get it done. But when push comes to shove and we get to the finals, it's Golden State versus everybody. You're going to let LeBron James go to Golden State? Why even play basketball at that point? I hope that Toronto makes it to the finals this year. Because people will poo-poo. They they will, you know, go to the bathroom inside of their pants. I don't like to say the the, the shorter version of that because I'm, I'm a nice guy here. But they would, uh, they would defecate in their drawers, I would say, if Toronto made it to the NBA. What would people do? What would people do? They lose it. Because it wouldn't make sense. Right? It wouldn't make sense. But the Golden State Warriors, listen, I like Kevin Durant. I like Stephen Curry. I got a lot of respect for the game that Golden State has. I love Steve Kerr. I think it's all great, and I think it's all wonderful. If LeBron James goes to the Golden State Warriors, there's no reason for me to watch professional basketball in America anymore. There isn't. There's not. What's the reason? I mean, it's it's like the Yankees. You didn't have to watch 162 games. You just had to watch the World Series to see them win again. It takes it takes something away from it, right? And it's not so much the Patriots being put in this sense because the Patriots win, but they're not making blockbuster mega million dollar deals. I mean, they didn't even keep Jimmy Garoppolo the future of the franchise, for goodness sakes. So I can't put New England in here. But buying success, Yankees. Golden State, put it all together. If LeBron James is on that team, to me, there's it's it's sickening. It really is. Cleveland was irrelevant, and then LeBron was there. Miami was irrelevant for the most part, outside of Dwayne Wade and Shaq winning the championship that one time. Miami was relatively irrelevant, and then LeBron was there. Cleveland was irrelevant, and then LeBron came back. 
Golden State is the most relevant team in the biggest public eye with the most giant, enormous, ginormous spotlight in America. And you put LeBron there, and I think the system breaks. You put, you, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The NBA is on a trajectory of going so far in one direction that it will eventually hit a wall and have to reset. LeBron James going to Golden State might be the thing. It might be the final wrench that turns this machine off. And you can't just put duct tape on it or tape it or or move this over there or fit this in this piece. You're going to have to take the whole machine apart and start all over again. If the NBA is LeBron James on the Warriors, I think that we have finally hit the breaking point where things will tar- start to swing back in the other direction and we'll start to equalize out again because I don't know how the NBA can function with a team that would literally just be playing globetrotter basketball against everybody else. We'll take a step aside to wrap up the show and I'll get you ready for Friday in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on Wake Up Call DT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT, getting you set up for tonight and tomorrow. Tonight, come and hang out at Muddy Waters at 7 p.m. for game show night. It is a twist on a new night out in central and upstate New York. Nobody's doing it like this. Nobody's doing what we're doing, and if anybody's trying to copycat it, they're still not going to be what we are, and it is an amazingly exciting and fun time. We mix Family Feud with Pictionary. It's a lot of fun. It doesn't take you all night. So you can go there, have dinner, have a few drinks, play the game, and be able to go home and relax and do whatever you got to do. Or you can sit and hang out with us. We have teams that come there for dinner, play, and and then head out after. And we have teams that 
come there for dinner, play, hang out, have some drinks, and are there a couple hours after still drinking and having a good time. So all are welcome. It's an all-you-can-eat barbecue buffet as well from 5 to 9 p.m., and game show night starts at 7 at Muddy Waters on 2 Oswego Street this Thursday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. So come and see us in Baldwinsville tonight. I want to thank the Immaculate Conception um I want to thank Immaculate Conception in Manlius for all that they do because every single year they ask me to be the PA announcer and essentially the voice of their charity game that they do with the Immaculate Conception dads. And it is with great pleasure and gratitude that I will be doing that tonight as well. And I, I just want to say thank you for almost 10 years of calling me up and asking me to call the game. It's one of the things that I've enjoyed the most in my return to Syracuse. It's one of the things that I've loved in my career the most, and I can't wait to see the kids and the parents and and have a good old time in a gym that I used to play in, mind you. So with that being said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to get you ready for tomorrow's show, you know what we do on Fridays. 9 a.m. will be the annoying moment of the week, proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt. I'm sure I will have plenty. (laughs) At 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll get into Sound Bites of the Week. And at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Mike Sofka will be joining me once again. You know us from our fantasy football advice. Him and I will get together to break down even more so by matchup and by position in different areas of the team. We'll take a look at Philadelphia taking on New England in a conversation about the Super Bowl that we started here with Papa Joe. And we will continue with Mike Sofka on Friday's broadcast. In the meantime, find me on Twitter at CallDT on Instagram at wakeupcall underscore DT, and on Facebook at wakeupcalldt. God bless you. Have a phenomenal day. Be well, be safe, and be good to yourself and one another. I'll talk with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., and I'll hopefully see you tonight at Immaculate Conception, and I hope that you go out to Muddy Waters at 7 p.m. God bless, and have a great day.